0: That's BlueNile.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the 147 Podcast with me, sports MC Phil Seymour, and him, the former Triple Crown winner and snooker world champion, the magician... Sean Murphy. Good evening, Sean. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. I tell you what, it's been a busy two weeks since the last one of these, hasn't it?
2: Very, very busy. Yeah, really, really busy. I don't know you about you, but it doesn't feel like my feet have touched the ground, to be honest. They've been all over the place.
1: Well, I, I've spent most of it just watching snooker on telly. <laughs> 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 to be fair, on account of the fact that they don't book me to work anything nowadays. But no, it's been... Um, Oh, it's been, it's been a feast of snooker. To be fair, I've been busy as well, but I've been uh, stuck in a lot of hotels and it's quite nice when there's snooker on every night because you've got something to do as opposed to eat crisps and drink wine, which in dry January doesn't happen anyway. So
2: it's well, been you good. You've you pretty accurately described my last 20 years on tour there <laughs> uh, in <laughs> hotels watching snooker at night. Various degrees of wine have been had over the years. I won't tell any porkies. Sometimes to excess, sometimes not. Well,
1: that's the, the way it goes sometimes, isn't it? But what a couple of weeks it's been. Now, first of all, just before we do, I know we always, we always tend to say this, but um, thank you for listening, everyone. The uh, The numbers for the last podcast were the, the best we've ever had. Uh, not sure why. We've, we've migrated to a different, uh, different platform. There's adverts on there now, as you've no doubt just heard. Um, but, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word. People say nice things online. We appreciate Absolutely, all of it. We do not do this for money. We do this for fun. We do. It we enjoy doing it. To be honest, we uh, we get on well. We have a laugh, and uh, it's yeah, it's it's a, a bit of fun and a bit of a chance for us to uh, talk about snooker and all kinds of other things. But thank you for listening. Please keep listening. Please spread the word everywhere you can. So, Sean, the last two weeks. Let's should we start at the start? It's normally a good place, isn't it? Seems let's like. Start. The beginning seems like a lifetime ago now but the world grand <laughs> prix down in cheltenham um
2: the pistol
1: he did it again your mate mark allen didn't he what a
2: season he's having incredible uh, and uh, yeah just crossed the half a million pound mark on the one year list that doesn't include obviously any of the invitation events uh, incredible season that he's having uh, and um yeah just leaving everyone in his wake he seems to have found this like level of uh, consistency that just people would give their left arm for. You know, it's it's just uh, incredible what he's managing to achieve. Perhaps not playing his best all the time. You know, by his own admissions, like you know he hasn't it's, he hasn't been blowing everyone away, but he seems to have found this um, this way of just digging in and, and and sort of almost refusing to lose, if you like. And uh, yeah, I've seen a few you know people criticising him for his style of play and against a couple of players, but. Listen, it's just about winning. Like you know, they they, they don't pay you extra um, for flamboyance. You know, you don't get uh, you don't get any extra ranking points for style. Um, and Mark, I think, has proven it over his career. He's capable of all format game. He you know he's good in all areas. So, um, I mean, I'm not sure what people want him to do. Obviously, specifically referring to a match he played against Jack, Lasowski, uh, where he, you know he did go into the match with a game plan, and he executed his game plan perfectly. Oh, and by the way, it worked. And he well, I was just going to say, and he won the match. Let, let's not let let's not beat around the bush. He's he's not in the
1: business of losing, alright? He's in the business of winning snooker matches. As you said, he, he went in there with a the game plan against Jack, he executed the game plan, and it worked massively well. And you yourself said, after you lost with the UK, to Jack? Yeah, I lost to Jack, yeah, in the UK. In the UK, yeah. yeah. And, and you, said, you said afterwards, you know, it's he's some player he's some player and that you didn't find the formula to beat him well well Mark did and he executed it brilliant i've got to say personally i'm loving i know it's not everyone's cup of tea that's that style of snooker isn't everyone's cup of tea all right it's not it's effective and it wins matches for me at times he is taking selby and higgins granite onto another level of kitchen worktop because some of the stuff he's <laughs> some of the stuff he's playing really is. I mean, it's it's getting on to, uh, to carbon fibre. I don't know about granite. It is absolutely solid, isn't it?
2: Do you think you know when you when you're specking your next kitchen, you can go in and ask for like uh, the granite, and then they show you the Italian granite, but then you could have the Allen granite. <laughs> you know, is that gonna diff- that's going to be different. going to be like a different level, isn't it? In
1: years to come. Do, yeah. No, I'd like to eat the Antrim granite in there, please, if we could. Antrim granite. <laughs> But just on on yourself, though, World Grand Prix, semi-final, Sean, uh, you've got to be happy with that, to be honest, haven't you?
2: Yeah, you know, more of the same for me. Seasons, you know, is trending in the right direction. Um, You know, still playing well, still playing nicely. Um, Quarters in the Masters, semis in the World Grand Prix. Uh, So, yeah, things moving in the right direction. You know, went up the the rankings a little bit on the race to the Players' Championships now. Um, You know, I'm not in the German Masters, so I've just got the Welsh Open the week before the players to get to make, you know, to solidify my place. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, all things, all things pointing in the right direction at the moment. I think I was a little bit disappointed with my performance against Trump in the in the semifinals. Um, you know, I, I was in the fourth frame and I had a really good opportunity and something happened. I felt, felt as if the red I played actually turned off a little bit. Um, and I was I was unable to shake the disappointment of that, you know, we are we obviously, it means so much, we're trying so hard, and yeah, I felt as if I'd had that taken off me by no fault of my own, and um, I allowed that to spiral, and my frustrations with that got the better of me, um, but I, I have been saying that I've been working on my sort of temperament, I've been working on trying to stay calmer under pressure, and you know, that was at the time, that was just one match too far, but you know, it is a work in progress. It is going in the right direction. And I actually learnt more in that match about myself than probably I've learnt in the last six months. So um, it was a tough, tough defeat to take because I knew I'd had chances. Unlike other matches I've lost this season where I've just had to watch, um, I actually was in that match. And 6 2 was probably a bit flattering. Um, but I learnt a lot. And, you know, I think I'll come back stronger for it. At the risk of this becoming a therapy session,
1: um, that. <laughs>
2: Just talking to Mark. I'm just going to get the couch. You know, okay. <laughs> get
1: get the couch out. Tell me about your mother. Uh, do you, no, don't. <laughs> Please don't. No, not, not I again. We've won't. had that before on the podcast. Talking Gene, to me doesn't mean it. he doesn't mean
2: it.
1: Gene, he doesn't mean it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, Gene. Honest. We love you, really. Um, talking to Mark Allen earlier in the season, and he was saying one of the things that he has done quite successfully is just that. He's, he's managed to when he when he does miss a ball, when he when he has a fluke go against him, whatever. He manages to put that behind him really quickly, it's gone. It's Mark Williams style, it's it's gone, it's out of the way, it's finished. Do you think that's something that you can work on? How how easy is it to work on? I mean, it's it's clearly something that, that does play, doesn't it?
2: It's very, very difficult to work on. I think you can. I think it is a learned skill. I think you can learn you can learn to be more composed, but um, you know, it's in us every day, isn't it? Somebody cuts you up in traffic and, and your immediate reaction is to react. Um uh, and it's, it's that, you know, you see somebody like a Mark Williams, you, you can't ever imagine Mark Williams getting mad about anything. Uh, the late, great Paul Hunter was exactly the same. You know, you never knew with Paul if he just, he might have just made a maximum or missed the black off the spot. You know, you just didn't know. And that being able to keep yourself at a very medium sort of excitable level, you know, never really too excited, never really too down, that is ideal for snooker. And if you're not naturally that way, which I'm not, I'm um, not, <laughs> It it makes it makes performing anything you know you know anything. If you're an actor and you've got to remember lines, or if you're a golfer or a snooker player or whatever it might be, uh, it makes doing that a bit more difficult. But you can you can get better at it, uh, and uh, we've seen players over the years go to all sorts of lengths to try and improve that part of their game. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm no different to them. You know, we're all we're all seeking that improvement.
1: Absolutely. Now, just for anyone that, that doesn't, I know we do have some non-snooker fans that listen to this. Funnily enough. Message me, because I've now got into snooker having listened to the podcast, which I think is brilliant, by the way. Um, they're messaging me, asking me the rules, which is always great. Um, Sean mentioned the Players' Championship there. Now, the Players' Championship, part of the Players' Series, the World Grand Prix was the top 32 players in the world this season. The Players' Championship comes on next up in the series. That's the top 16. After that, there's the Tour Championship, which will be in Hull. Uh, and that is the top eight Players in the world on the one-year list.
2: Where are you currently on the one-year list, Sean? Uh, as it stands today, I'm eleventh.
1: Eleventh. Okay, so reasonably safe for the players. You would you would hope a decent run at the Welsh, and you you nailed on in there. So it's all about sort of, sort of fighting on and keeping on going. And the the prize money, the points that you earn at the Players Championship, of course, goes towards the Tour Championship as well. So it all rolls on, and it's to try and get to Hull for the uh, to the Tour Championship. The road to Hull. That's we're going to call it this year. <laughs> Not yeah. the road to hell, the road to, Hull. Not similar to, to hell. Similar
2: I was just going to say, it was a Chris Rea song, wasn't it? It and was very, oh, no.
1: very similar yeah. things. Very similar roads. Very
2: similar things. Yeah, no, I, I think as well. The other, the other thing to throw in there, of course, I think since we spoke, the the Turkish Masters has been cancelled, um, uh, and that was an event that was counting on the tour, that was going to count on the list to get there. there some 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 questions. World Snooker Tour have since said they are going to replace it with the WST Classic. Uh, And that will be, I think, to a very similar tune uh, of prize money as was the Turkish Masters. So we haven't missed out there. We've missed out on a bit of summer, a bit of uh, spring, summer, spring sun, I should say. But um, uh, we're still going to get the ranking points that we would have got if we've played in the Turkish. I think that's right.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think uh, it is. I've got to say all all credit to the people at World Snooker Tour because. To lose an event is an absolute nightmare. To to put an event on, we've discussed this previously on the podcast, to put an event on is a massive undertaking, okay? It's not literally, all oh, I'll book a hall and put some tables in there. It, it's not as easy as that. There's, there's so much at play to put an event on. They've done it because we lost the Turkish Masters sort of quite quickly. I'd heard a rumour it was going and then it's gone and... However they've done it, they've they've managed to, to put something, I think sort of within a week, it's all been organised and done, which is pretty incredible. I don't think there's a broadcaster as of yet. I, I don't know. I think the schedule, it could be too late to get on one. It'll probably be online. Um, I don't know whether, whether fans are going to be allowed in or not. This is all to be announced. But just to get it organised and get it on, massive undertaking and, and hats off to everyone at World Snooker Tour for doing that because that is no mean feat at all. So... The World Grand Prix down in Cheltenham seemed a bit flat to me. I, I've done a couple of World Grand Prixs down there, a couple of events down there. Always seemed seemed all right. seemed pretty good atmosphere. I don't know if it was because the week after the Masters, maybe.
2: I have to say, I mean, like for the for the for the certainly for the matches towards the end of the week, you know, the quarters and the semis and stuff like that, it was okay. It was it was okay. a good atmosphere when when Jod and I played on the Saturday night. I thought thought it was a it was a good it was a good perhaps not a full house, but it was you know pretty close to being full. Um, yeah, I, do, I, I don't know. I, I, I was listening to um, was listening to uh, the snooker scene podcast earlier on today, and they were talking about it was the one where they did their snooker venue bingo, and they were <laughs> chatting about um, previous venues and niche venues and stuff. And one of the points that was made is that you know these tournaments, you kind of have to be at the venue for for a, for a while, you know, so that so that event sort of takes root and people get used to coming to that venue to see that event. And whilst these events chop, chop and change all the time, it's very difficult for anyone to get any continuity, isn't it, for these events to, to sort of pick up a, a head of steam. And there's a rumour going around that that event might not be at Cheltenham next year, and maybe we'll be back there in a year's time, or maybe we won't. And, you know, you look at other sports, in, uh, other sports like, you know, the golfs and tennises of this world, they're at the same venues year in, year out. Events get very well supported. And listen, you know the guys at World Snooker Tour know this, and I'm sure I'm sure if they could do it, they would be doing it. But um, you, you know, yeah, I, you know, as I say, from from my point of view, I thought the, the, the World Grand Prix seemed okay. Um, I'm not I'm not sure how much of a you know a bustling um, center of snooker loving Cheltenham is, uh, but it, you know, it, it seemed okay. I think I think anything would seem flat the week after the Masters. Um, uh, the Masters being like nearly 3,000 screaming fans like, and they they do go for it in the Ali pally uh, Cheltenham was a was a little bit different, but
1: um, no, it was good. Yeah, probably all it was. It was just watching on TV, it just, just seemed a little bit flat. But like you say, it was right after the Masters, and the Masters was electric, wasn't it? So it probably was just that. Now, talking about atmospheres, Sean, last week, the shootouts down in Leicester, well, it was its usual complete and utter madness, wasn't it?
2: complete bonkers completely bonkers (laughs) Um, i love
1: it i've got to say do you know that it has its knockers and i know people say oh it shouldn't be a ranking event blah blah blah." whatever okay that that's to bed that that's done with it It is a ranking event you know get over it it's one of those things um but the atmosphere and, and everything else around that event is absolutely bonkers and it's great
2: Yeah, I I think I've played in every one of them. And uh, I've got to be honest, I absolutely love it. Um, Yeah, I think the argument, should it be a ranking event, should it be, as you say, it is. uh, And it's time that got left alone. You know, let's just all move on. It is a ranking event. And, uh, uh, you know, let's ask Chris Wakelin whether he thinks it should be a ranking event or not. You know, he's gone from, I think, way down in the 90s or something in the one year list up to 15th. Um, You know, it's possibly career changing that, life changing. Because he's now going to go in Champion of Champions, at the, you know this later on uh, this year. You'll be, you know, he's got a chance to get in the players. That brings with it a chance to get in the tour champs. You know, who knows? He might have bumped up way up the, you know, he might not have to go to qualifying for the World Championships. And all these things they start adding up as, you know, career definers. All from winning a tournament that people say perhaps shouldn't be a ranking event. You know, it's it, it's a great opportunity, and it's an opportunity that everyone has. Like, you know, if you're in that event, you can win it. Um, Now, you do need a bit of luck along the way, and and, uh, you need all those things. All the stars have to line up for you, but they align for somebody every year. Uh, And um, fair play to Chris for being the last man standing, you know, because um, I know it looks it, but it is one of the toughest tournaments to win on the tour.
1: Oh, without a doubt at all. You know, he's nails, isn't he? Yeah, there's a lot of luck involved. We saw that, you know. we, We saw that over the weekend. There was a few frames that were lost on on one little slice of luck or one, one on one little slice of luck. But I remember, I think it was Holt he won it and he it qualified him for the Players' Championship, which started like the next day or two days later. And, you know, he, he walked into the hotel, I think it was in Southport that year, and he, he walked in and there was like literally just everyone shaking his hand, congrats. everyone was over the moon for him, you know, delighted for him. But as you said, it's happened with Chris, it, it sort of just... just Catapulted him into this different level of snooker, where, as you said, it's not just winning the shootout and the fifty thousand pound, whatever you get for that. It's champion of champions. It's players' championship. It's all these different things that you suddenly qualify for because you've hit a certain level, hit top sixteen on the rank on the one year list. You're now a, a champions. So you're in that, and all of that all comes together now. Chris, and I, I know Chris listens to the podcast. Okay, Chris has messaged messages before. Particularly when you had your rant about men that wear shorts during winter. <laughs> he actually he sent a picture of him wearing his shorts in his practice room in the middle of December, I think it was.
2: <laughs> so I think he had that. I think he had that bloody chalk pouch on as well that he wears. I
1: think he did have a chalk pouch on. So here we go then, Sean. So we know what we need to do then to so move you on to that next level, okay? Take you from that quarterfinal of the Masters, semi-final of the World Grand Prix. You need to practice in shorts. And wear a chalk pouch. Chris Wakelin, are you with me or are you with me? Come on, Sean, you've got to make the change.
2: I'm just not willing to do it. Forget it. <laughs> I'd rather be average.
1: I, I've got to say, and I know he listens to podcasts, absolutely delighted for Chris Wakelin. Um, you could see what it meant to him. You know, he, he talked about his, his coach and everything else. You could see what it meant to him. And the shootout can change lives, can't it? It really can change change your life.
2: Hundred percent, and and I think this goes for anyone who's achieved anything, and you know, in in anything, you know, achievement isn't easy, and there's always a backstory, there's always people in the shadows, there's always people who they don't get the limelight, they don't get the praise, and but without their help, you wouldn't be there, and 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 it was lovely, Chris. I thought he spoke so well afterwards. You know, yeah. For somebody who, you know, and I, I hope he doesn't take this in the wrong, but not not used to that, you know, not used to speaking on camera with a trophy and making those speeches and I thought it was refreshing to see somebody say all the right things he did it like a seasoned pro uh, and um, oh, I was dead chuffed for him I have to say I was really really pleased for him, a nice guy someone I've known for a long long time and um, really really pleased and, and who knows Like this could be the, we keep talking about when Jack Lazowski wins one he might win loads well who know, who's not to say that this might not be the same for Chris Wakelin, you know I've been on the tour now for 10 years He's won his first event. Who knows where this might take him?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Who who does? And uh, fingers crossed for really, him. He's, he's a great guy, he's Chris, and he thoroughly deserves that win. So, yeah, really chuff him. What a tournament, though. Some some real stars. I mean, Pumas. Come on, Pumjang. What what's a man. <laughs> he is bananas, isn't he?
2: I was watching one of his frames, and, and the, frame was, the frame was over, and he kind of, he'd sort of half shaken his opponent's hand uh, and I sipped a cup of coffee and I looked back up and he was in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> He'd gone over the barrier into the crowd. <laughs> What's going on?
1: Um, we, we had a uh, a discussion a while back. Someone, I think it was a listener question. Um, if there was a, a UFC style cage fight between all the pros, who'd win? I want to throw Julien Leclerc in the mix, the Belgian beast. He's a
2: unit of a bloke isn't and he's a big lad. I wouldn't mind, I, we 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 uh, played on adjacent tables in the German Masters qualifiers a few months ago, and that was the first time I'd seen him, and I looked over to him and I thought, goodness me, you're a big lad, he's only 19, he, I mean, he's got to be cracking on for seven foot.
1: Yeah, he can, I tell you what, he can strike a ball as well, and he was going for his shots, and he was getting a hell of a lot of them too.
2: In uh, in Manchester, we call people like Julian, uh, Saturday men, if S- he said... If he says it's Saturday, it's Saturday.
1: <laughs> what was it? I think it was Foldsy in commentary said uh, Neil Folds in commentary. He said, put it this way. If he said it was Christmas, I'm singing Jingle Bells.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great
2: line. Absolutely all, all, cracking line. All joking aside, what a player. What oh, a prospect. What a you know, prospect. Um, the ball striking was just crisp. It was when it, you know, it was, It was the balls were all going in the middle of the pockets. Uh, And to be fair, uh, he didn't really get a look in in the final. Chris Chris just sort of kept him at bay, kept him in the long grass. I didn't feel like he made really any silly mistakes, Um, and uh, you know, very similar to 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 the Chris Wakelin. Who's to say where this will now send Julian? Like you know, this could spur him on. He might. This is his first. This is his first season. Let's not forget. This could send him this could send him in all directions well, he's,
1: he's very very early in his career in his pro career very very early I've, I've got to say got to be honest I've not actually seen him play before I've heard a lot about him um a lot of very very well thought of people have said a lot of very very good things about him from an attitude perspective as well as a talent and ability and everything else he's got a big future as that lad he has got a very big future and I'll tell you what if he can do it in that arena with those crowds he can do that anywhere because he he's shown there that pressure's not going to be an issue. Okay, we saw uh, Ben Mertens, the, the, another young lad from the continent. Um, and Ben, he, I think he first played in the shootout when he he's about 14 and now he's about seven foot tall as well. And he's about 18 and 19. But you could see his arm shaking. His arm on the table was shaking as he's playing his shots. There was none of that from Julian Leclerc. He was just, he was down, taking his shots so confident. If he can do it in that, he can do it anywhere. So, yeah, watch that name. Julian Leclerc, he, he for me comes out of that with an awful lot of credit. Chris just kept him off the table in the fact. He didn't get near, did he, bless him?
2: I wouldn't say this to Julian's face though. I'll be too frightened because he's about seven foot six, but i bet he's rubbish with the rest.
1: <laughs> he never too needs forward. it, does he? He never <laughs> needs
2: it. Probably doesn't know what it is. He look probably looks at those two sticks at the end of the table with the brass crosshead on, looks and then goes, What's that for? Why why would you ever need one of those?
1: <laughs> he can reach everything. But yeah, great tournament, great atmosphere. Really chuffed for Chris Wakelin. Um, absolutely brilliant. I thought all the officials, the referees, as always at the shootout, did an amazing job. I mean, the the, the graph they put in, I think there's only like four referees, and the graph they put in over shootout weekend is is phenomenal. So hats off to all of them. And in fact, I got a message this morning from one of the referees' other halves who is uh, Mr. Tatiana Wollaston, also known as Ben Wollaston, on the on the Pro Tour. Uh, I don't know if you saw this on social media, actually, Sean. Ben sent me a, a link to a Daily Mirror piece that had shown that uh, the wonderful city of York had been voted, I think, it was the friendliest and most welcoming city for tourists. Um, once again, city of York, greatest city in the world. There you go. So Ben Wollaston there just proving my point. Anyway, on social media, right, now... If you're not already following us, at 147pod across all social media is where you will find us. I'm announcer Phil. Sean is Magician147 as well on there. So have a look for us on there. But just on topic of social media, just a few sort of disturbing things over the weekend, really. I'm in a few different fan groups on, on Facebook and um, I, I follow a lot, of, a lot of snooker fans and things on Twitter as well. And I've seen there's been a lot of like, infighting between people, Um so we've got, we got a platform here, so I just wanted to say something really about it. I, I see it all, I try, I don't really get involved if I can help it. Um, I know some of the people involved and it's it's snooker fans having to go at each other. And for me, it's pretty needless. It's, it's pretty senseless. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good people involved and on both sides. It just seems a bit mad, really. All I'd say is you all you're all fans of snooker. You all love this sport, the same as we do. Just try and enjoy it. I think we all enjoy it in different ways. Some people love the shootout. Some people don't. If you don't love it, don't watch. You know, you don't have to tune in. If you don't like the shouting from the crowd, turn the sound down. Stick some music on. You know, just just chill out a little bit, people. It's all about enjoying the snooker. Let's not get into fighting with each other. Let's just try and promote snooker and make it bigger if we can and spread it to a wider audience, which is what we try and do with this podcast. So... I just wanted to say my piece on that. Sorry, Sean, I've gone onto one of your style rants there, but there's been a lot of this recently, and I, I look at it and it, it just winds me up a little bit because I know, you know there's a lot of good people that follow snooker and it's it's bad to see them getting drawn into this. So just try not to. Just try and enjoy snooker and, and big it up if we can. There you go, Sean. Do you want to lighten that up a bit?
2: I don't think I can. I don't think I can recover from that. <laughs>
1: So, the German Masters is this week. You're not there, Sean.
2: No. Fan Zheng Yi put paid to my challenge for the Brandon Parker Trophy this year, which is obviously a disappointment for me with the Brandon connection. It's 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 never nice when I've missed that event. You know, I've missed it a couple of times only in the years it's been at the Semperdrome and uh, you know, it's a very, very special event to me for obvious reasons and um yeah, disappointed not to be there. Not for the want to try and I have to say. I played well in the qualifiers. Fan Zhengy played brilliantly and I'm not sure who he plays in the in the next round, but you know, if he plays anything like he did against me, he'll be a force to reckon with. Of course it's a, a weakened field in Berlin that you know it's let's call it what it is. You know, there's obviously been a lot of players who should have been there that are suspended. Um a lot of the players who, who um you know, would have been favourites to qualify a lot. The top 16 didn't make it. Um, so I think of, you know, we're into the last 32 now. I think I saw something somewhere. There's actually only 28 players now in the event with suspensions and stuff like that. And, um, you know, um, I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head which of the top 16 players did qualify. I think Neil Robertson might be the highest ranked player who's in the event.
1: Yeah, Robbo's there and he's drawn Joe Perry first up as well. He's drawn his mate again.
2: Wow. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? But I think you'd have to make you'd have to make Robertson favourite for the tournament. Um obviously, you know, he's he's one of the favourites for every event he plays in, of course, but um especially in an event now that's in such a weakened state. I think Kyron Wilson might still be there as well. He is. Um, huh? you know, he, he's obviously in with a big, big shout, big player, former winner. Um, you know. Um all to play for in Berlin. But, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to see somebody come out of the pack, perhaps, and win something for the first time. It's often been a uh, an event where, you know, players have come from obscurity. Is probably too harsh a word. But, you know, you think of somebody like an Anthony Hamilton, who, you know, after what felt like 50 years on tour, broke his duck and won his first ranking event out there in Berlin. It is an event a bit like that. And um, you wouldn't be surprised if history repeated itself.
1: On that topic, I'm going to call this. Okay, you ready for this? I'm going to put my neck right on the block here. The German Masters this week will be Jack Lazowski's first ranking title. Goodness me! I've looked at the draw, right, and and I I think this is Jack Lazowski's tournament. I think this is his. I think he's 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 been progressing. He's been coming on, improving, improving, improving. Like you said, it was, it was only Mark Allen that could that could beat him. Um, in the last one I think this is Jack Lazowski's. I honestly think he's going to knock carrying Wilson out on the way and I think he's going to go there he's going to win it um, just a feeling that I've got looking at the draw and, and the way he's playing the way things are going <laughs> neck on the line if I'm right by the way I want champagne from everyone that listens to the podcast because <laughs> 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 dry January will have well and truly finished by then so um, neck on the line I think this could well be Jack Lazowski's first ranking title
2: well, that is some call. And imagine if you imagine if you went on to be right. I mean, that would be ridiculous.
1: If, if I'm right on that, I'll have a bottle of champagne off you, Sean, yes?
2: Yeah, if, I tell you what, if, if he wins, I'll buy you a bottle of champagne. That'll do for me, a absolutely. Of, a, bottle of, a bottle of York's finest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's one of the few things we do not make here in York. So German Masters later on this week, that is live on Discovery Plus and Eurosport. Right, we are going to head into our very short break, and then it will be time for Sean's Rant.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
1: You're listening to the 147 Podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's the words, at 147pod. Now, someone messaged us on social media recently saying that you use the first 10 or 15 seconds of the rant, basically just, just... saying absolutely nothing. I saw that. And then you struggle for time at the end. Have you got a comeback to, come yeah, back to I
2: that, did, Sean? I did see that. I did see that criticism leveled at me. I can't remember whether I answered, but let me answer now. It's my rant. I'll do what I want. Thanks very much. When I need your advice on how to rant, I'll let you know.
1: I think you've riled Sean up, whoever it was, the message just with that. I think you've... Uh... I think you've upset him, so um, so let's move on, shall we? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is time for your rant, Mr. Murphy. Are you limbered up and ready? I am ready. Fantastic. You have one minute and 47 seconds. From the moment I say rant to the sound of the klaxon that will end your rant, three, two, one, Rant.
2: Well, whoever it was who wrote in and complained about uh, me taking ages to, to, to you know, map out the rant is, is going to love this one because it actually links to one I did a few episodes ago about terrible airport travelers who just can't travel. Uh, this week I was in the airport traveling back and I actually made a note of this because I knew I was going to rant about it. Uh, My previous rant was about people who come through airports and just aren't ready. They can't get through security. Well, this one's about when you get through security. It's the same numpties who go to the baggage, the thing where the belt is, and the, the boxes and the security boxes with all your stuff in, and they decide to repack everything and get dressed, stood there at the belt, blocking the entire system up. Now, if, like me, you've paid £5 extra to go through the fast track, The last thing I want to watch you do, Derek, is put that belt on with a 1,000 attachments back around every loop. Oh, and by the way, you're also one of those clowns who misses a belt loop every now and then. Uh, You put your belt on, you couldn't do it. Then you couldn't put your shoe on, and then you got the jacket all mixed up. Your iPads fell out of its sleeve, and you're still holding everyone. Oh, and you're still in everyone's way. Pick your box up and go and take it to where it says repack your bag move out of everyone's way you're holding the system up that's not where you're supposed to do it you clown oh and then we move on to stage two of these people these are the same people who then just walk off they don't put the they don't put the thing back there's a big sign saying please replace your trays just help everyone out a little bit don't leave everything there for uh, somebody else will clean my mess up take your box put it in the thing (sighs) and walk off
1: Wow. That, that was a proper rant that <laughs> I'm watching you here on Skype and you're turning a little bit red there which is a bit worrying right I'm with you on this the, the only thing you missed there was Derek when he's putting his belt back on he missed his chalk pouch off that he puts around the front on it.
2: Oh, it used to be the one with Brandon. Again, I know I mentioned Brandon, and you shouldn't talk ill of people who aren't here to defend themselves, but Brandon used to do it. He'd be there, and he'd be, he'd be slagging everyone whilst they couldn't do it. And then he'd put the thing on, and he'd forget to put his phone loop on, his phone holder on. And You know, that was another thing he'd lost. I mean, it just used to wind me up. It was horrific. But right. this happened just the other day when I was travelling, and I actually stood there watching somebody do it and i got my phone out and made a note of it i said that's my next run these clowns i'm,
1: I'm actually I remember with you. the
2: first time i traveled
1: I'm, I'm flying tomorrow um i'm flying somewhere tomorrow and i know already that this is gonna happen you know they, they they're they there and the trays back up and everything else. and i'm only traveling with my hand luggage tomorrow so i've all i've got a rucksack and it, it's one of those where it's just gonna be like oh come on please just take your tray over there, mate, and put your belt back on. You don't need to do it here. So so annoying. I think I I, I said before there was um my my son's my youngest son's bag got pulled on one, and we're waiting because there's someone in front, someone in front, and this, this woman's there. And she's like, like, oh, have you got any liquids in your bag? No. Oh well, what's this? Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about that one. Uh, are there any more? Um what's this? And there was like seven or eight bottles that were all over 100 mil. And it's like, what What? are you, what, what are you actually thinking? Can you not read? Do you not understand? It says there, no, no more than 100 mil, in a clear bag, blah, 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 Oh, so annoying. So are you with Sean? I've got to say I am. Again, I need to stop agreeing with you on this, Sean, but I am with you on this. It was, it's it's bad. Let's be totally honest. It is bad. Just get your tray, go over to the end, Repack your stuff, put your tray back where it belongs. What do you think, people? Are you one of these people? Let us know on social media at 147pod. Now we know if you're not, it could be your first step towards winning a ranking title. It's worked for Chris Wakelin in the shorts and the chalk pouch. Okay, <laughs> if you are one of these people, maybe maybe you should stop. Sean, sure, maybe you should go against every rant. No more washing your hands after the toilet. No more no more taking your tray off to the side to repack your stuff. It could be your way towards winning another title.
2: They're all called Derek and Trevor as well.
1: <laughs> and Gene.
2: Leave my mum alone.
1: <laughs> well I can't call him Mavis because Mavis knocked you out of the shootout, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> of There you go. That was Sean's rant. There will be another rant on the podcast in two weeks' time. Right, time to move on then to your questions. And we've had some absolute crackers in, haven't we?
2: We've had, and uh, we're going to jump straight into. We've got Tom Godbold here on Facebook. He says, Sean, if you were elected prime minister tomorrow, what's the first thing you would try to resolve? Go on, then, Sean. Oh goodness me. Uh, don't know i mean how serious i don't know how serious this is like you know how serious can we go well it's the
1: the first thing yeah i mean there's Um, a let's be honest i'm not getting into politics it gets me into trouble but there's a lot of things to resolve right now
2: yeah there's a lot
1: (laughs) there's a lot of things that need resolving what's the first
2: I think I think for me, and I, I did tweet about it before Christmas, and it actually it's the biggest, most explosive tweet I've ever been a part of. It, you know, I'm not sure what you have to do to go viral, but I think this definitely did, and it touches on homelessness and and that kind of thing. I think I think the fact that you know we have people who are homeless uh, and depending on food banks in in this day and age, I think is a disgrace, um, and, and and I think it you know it is incumbent on the governments to 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 do to do more about it, you know, wh- whatever they're doing. And, of course, you get representative after representative of whatever party they represent. They're on there on all the news that, well, you know, this year we've pumped in more than last year, and it's all about making themselves look good compared to previous ministers and, and whatnot. It's not enough. Um, of course, I live in Dublin, which is obviously a completely different jurisdiction, obviously. and But the, 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 it's the same here. Uh, and um you can walk down the streets in in you know Dublin and you come across it it's everywhere it's in London it's Manchester it's Cardiff it's it's everywhere and and frankly in this day and age i think politicians should be absolutely ashamed of themselves
1: i'll i'll go i'll go along with that however i'm i'm going to go slightly different track but still on food banks um i would sort out the nhs pay crisis um when there's, there's nurses having to use food banks, I mean, I, I, I chuckle as I say that because it is preposterous that that, that could happen in a developed country, which we are. Um, I would I would sort that as an absolute, complete and utter priority because there's no way on this earth, in this country, we should have nurses having to use food banks. I'm sorry, but that is completely wrong so i would sort out nurses pay there we go we got a little bit serious there sean didn't we so uh let's move on to curry shall we instead <laughs> chris smedley on facebook has said we met sean and his lovely parents what what is gene taking over this uh, this podcast or what what's going on we met sean and his lovely parents in the curry house in clandidno a few years back uh, what's your favorite curry mine is chicken shashlik and a madras dipping sauce oh nice chris what's yours sean
2: well, just to clear something up, I I, I actually remember bumping into because they, they, they weren't my parents oh. um, that we were with. So, did uh, you borrow someone did,
1: else's? What's that all about? We did. We,
2: I was just on this uh, rentaparent.co.uk. <laughs> no, uh, there are two lovely friends of mine, actually, uh, Bryn and Vicky Hughes, and uh, I've known them for many, many years. And um, Bryn's not been in great health of late, so I hope you're okay, Bryn, if you're listening um, but um, yeah, they often would have come to a lot of snooker events. They loved it, and uh, yeah, we were we were, we were out for a curry. So the rest of the story is true. Never let the truth get in the way of good stories.
1: Bryn, of course, Welsh for hill, as we learned from Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite curry Hughes. then, Sean?
2: Hill Hughes. Yeah, I listen. I'm straight down the bat with this. Uh, I'm chicken tikka masala all day long. Oh, um, Birmingham's fine. It's okay. Yeah, I'm chicken tikka masala with a pushwari naan bread and if i've got room which i can't I mean i can't eat anything these days i can barely you know barely eat my breakfast but um i will flick a prawn puree in there if there's Ooh. one of those floating around obviously the poppadoms and the pickle trays uh, um yeah i suppose it's all making sense now why i had to have gastric <laughs> sleeve surgery
1: <laughs> very nice i'm a, a chicken tikka rogan josh man myself with a chemo naan so one of those Ooh. lovely naans with a mince in the middle lovely very
2: nice indeed oh yeah no i don't like those do you know why not no no i don't like i don't like the surprise you know because you get the hot (laughs) steam in naan and then you open it up it's got the minces it's hotter than the surface of the sun it takes the roof of your mouth off no i don't like that (laughs) fair enough
1: okay there you go he doesn't like it there we are so there you go chris um
2: uh right now we jump from chris to carl braley and uh I must, you know, uh, complete transparency here. Carl Brealy is one of my longest standing friends. I met Carl when I would have been nine or 10 years of age in Rawn's Q Sports, which was one of the clubs I started playing in, in Northampton. So we've been friends a long, long time. Carl says, would you like to see snooker follow darts in terms of legs and sets as a scoring system? Um, no, I've never really thought about it, to be honest with you. Carl, as you know, I find snooker so harder these days. I'm just trying to win the way we've got it. I don't think any change of the rule would help me, to be honest with you. But um, I don't think it's a, a terrible idea. I think, you know, and certainly in terms of like an aggregate format, we've we've got different uh, formats floating all over the place. Um, you know, an accumulative score wins X amount of legs and so many legs wins a, a set or whatever might be something that we could look at. And, you know, at some I think something like that would work for the doubles, actually. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, where it's on, a, on an accumulative score basis. I don't think that's a terrible idea. And I can assure you, Carl has had a number of bad ideas throughout, <laughs> throughout his life. Um, uh, so Carl, this isn't so bad. I, you know, you've gone up in my estimation, Carl, is uh, with, with this question. Fair play.
1: I don't think it's bad. You've just got to, obviously it stops a game being run away with, I suppose, quite as easily. Um, you know, it gives gives me more of a chance to get back in. However, it's a lot longer form than darts snooker. So, how it would work, or how well it would work, I'm not sure. If it was six reds, a six reds match played over quite a few frames, with legs and sets, that could work because it's slightly quicker, a bit punchier, maybe. But who knows? It could be tried one day. Right, moving on then. Uh, of
2: course, I've seen Carl play. You could he could only have time for a best of three.
1: Oh, really? And he's yeah. at darts, is it?
2: <laughs> Anything.
1: <laughs> uh, Sega Korea. Sega, I hope I've pronounced your name right now. I actually met you at the Masters. Lovely fella, actually. Met him up in the in the Century Lounge. Um, Century Club. Sean, is there a reason why you don't have the triple crown emblem on your waistcoat anymore? Now, I've noticed this. And I think we had a message from someone else asking, um, you know, the, a lot of players don't seem to be wearing them anymore. Is there a reason?
2: I just... I remember when they came out, I quite liked them. Um, I, I, I liked the idea of them. But then I, I noticed some of the other players who were eligible to wear them weren't wearing them either. I think Ronnie never had his, did he? R- Ronnie's never wore his. Um, and I think there are a couple of other eligibles that have never worn them either. I, I, I heard I heard a rumour that Ronnie had said he'd ha- if he could have one for every set of triple crowns, a bit like the champions league or world cup stars which you know i, I under I can't, it's one of the few things he said that i kind of understood <laughs> uh, you know when you've won as many sets as he has um, you, you know what's he going to have five or seven stars walking around on his shirt or his waistcoat you know but i just given that, given that they weren't mandatory given that he didn't have to um, which you meant it was it's a player's choice to wear them mm. i just felt they were a bit conspicuous and uh, you know and I, I don't mean this how it's going to come across but like I, I don't really need it to you know i know i've won the three i know i've got the triple crown I, I didn't really i thought it was a bit showy i thought it was a bit now that's that's rich coming from someone who wears a serowski crystal <laughs> suit i know
1: <laughs> i think the, the crown often appears on the screen behind you as well doesn't it in your in your cover. yeah it does
2: yeah that's um, automatic yeah there's nothing there's nothing the players can do about that i just thought it was a bit it was a bit um it was a bit unnecessary to be honest
1: I I quite like it on the screens to be, I I don't mind it, Um, but it's one of those if if you choose not to wear it, I guess you choose not to wear it, it's one of those things isn't it, but like I said there's there's quite a few now that that seem to be not wearing them, so maybe it's one of those ideas that that sort of came and passed, so there you go Sega, That's, um, that's what it is.
2: Uh, Martin Yap on Twitter. Uh, Martin loves uh, the podcast as well. He's always interacting with us. So thank you, Martin. Good to hear from you. Absolutely. Uh, re- refers back to the game with Neil Robertson at the Masters. Uh, there seem to be quite a few um, and pretty much straight misses on the green. Uh, was there any reason for that? Also, Phil, what sandwiches did you go for in the Century Club?
1: Yeah, I'll, well, I'll answer both of these. Um, straight misses on the green. Neil Robertson wasn't playing particularly well that day, and Sean was playing with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were. Do you know I, I was watching this and that, that green pocket, I mean people say about tight pockets and big pockets and everything else. There there did seem to be a lot not going in that bag. It's got to be said.
2: Listen, I can make any pockets look tight, Phil. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um Yeah, no, there were two. I remembered I remember two vividly. I missed one because of just a pure lack of composure. Uh, Again, going back to this thing I said, I've been working on trying to stay less, get less excited. And, you know, although I'm 40 and, you know, I've been there and done it, I'd still get quite excitable um, and just have to watch myself not to bubble over. So there was one where I played like miracle shot after miracle shot, cannon the last red out, the crowd have gone wild, I've got behind the green, not thought, missed it. That was just a complete lack of composure. And the second one, where I was potting the green, having to screw back the length of the table, queuing over the brown, which was by the middle part, that's actually quite a tough shot. You know, it wasn't an easy shot. The queue wasn't parallel with the bed, and the brown was in the way, and I'm trying to pinch a bit of the pocket to force the angle, and in the end, I just missed it. You know, you could miss that on any day. So that was a tough shot. The one previously was a complete lack of composure. In terms of sandwiches, well, I know what was on the menu that week.
1: Well, it wasn't sandwiches, I'll tell you now. It it was not sandwiches in Century Club. It was not. Now, I waxed lyrical about the Century Club just after I went there. And and I'll tell you now, I think my starter was, it was something like a duck terrine, which was very nice. I had a a sirloin steak for my main course, which was beautiful. And then my pudding, I believe, was a tiramisu. Um, I think it was, I tell you what, seriously... The food in there was superb. There were no sandwiches, prawn or otherwise. Um, Roy Keane, it was it was superb. Was the food in there really really good? And one of the reasons why I said, look, I know, I know it's expensive, but if you can treat yourself, treat someone else, go up there and just just enjoy just one session in there. It's you know the bar's paid for. It's the food's can really I, good. It's yeah, superb.
2: Can I just ask you a question? Because Um, you know, you're talking about uh, the duck terrine and I knew there were canapes up there and you've got steak and you're getting the tiramisu and there was red wine, there was port and brandy and all that. Is there any truth in the rumour that when they welcomed you to Century Club, you get your little welcome pack with your earphones and your programme, did they also give you out any gout medication?
1: (laughs) Well, do you know, seriously, dry January and that is a complete and utter nightmare.
2: I got up there. What are they hand- you doing getting involved in dry January? They handed me a glass
1: of champagne. I was like, oh, I love champagne. I'm going to have to give that back. And hey, I've got one day to go. I am sat here with a, a Heineken 0% with one day to go on dry January. And you know what? The, the Masters was quite tough, actually. I've got to say that was probably one of two times in the month I've really, really struggled with this. Um, I just wanted a drink. It was just all there. It was all laid on. Um
2: but it's well,
1: no, I have those. to ask you what the other time was. I was just bored in a hotel. I'll be completely <laughs> honest. I was bored in a hotel in Birmingham with absolutely nothing to do. I there was any snooker on even. And, uh, I, just I went really into
2: full journalistic mode there.
1: Really fancied a glass of wine, <laughs> but I didn't. So I've got through it. So it's all good. Um, so there you go. That is your question answered, Martin. Right. Inner a minx on Twitter, who's a snooker fan from Leeds, if I'm not much mistaken. Um, who does Sean enjoy commentating with most? And she says that she would love to hear you with Dominic Dale.
2: Well, uh, to my knowledge, uh, Dominic only commentates for Eurosport. I think he may do the odd Welsh Open where that's uh, BBC Wales. Um, I don't think he does BBC Two for the, for the Triple Crowns, which uh, they're the only three events I do. So unless he leaves his post at Eurosport, I don't think... You'll ever hear us commentate together, unfortunately. Um, I like Dominic as well. I'm a big fan of Dominic's and uh, certainly his vocabulary as well. But uh, Can I, can I Domin- just
1: say, he is as mad as a box of frogs, isn't he? I mean, yeah. I, I'm not offending anyone here, because I, I would say this to Dominic if you stood right in front of me. He is a lovely, lovely man, but he is absolutely crackers.
2: Yeah, I, I think to some degree you have to be to be on the snooker tour. But... <laughs> I'll tell you what you won't do is you, you you won't find anyone who's who's more knowledgeable about the game and its history yeah. and cues and all the memorabilia. you know got a fantastic knowledge uh, and and I think he brings the commentary alive when I listen to him. i I think he's great, but you're absolutely right he's 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 almost certifiable very, um, very
1: interesting guy to spend time with. I mean he's he's into his antiques. He's into is it the Avengers? Is it, is it the Avengers that he watches and he he goes to visit like all the sites where they filmed it and all. One of those 1970s, I think it's the Avengers. It's one of those. Um, no, that's not you. No, 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 no. This is definitely, definitely Dominic Dale. And he's he's into his antiques and everything else and some slightly bizarre clothing. I, there's a very weird coat he often wears. But you're right, his snooker knowledge is superb. I mean, it's very, very good. And he's an excellent commentator. So I'd quite like to hear Sean with Dominic as well at some point, if that ever does uh, does happen to happen. But at the moment, you different know, broadcasters.
2: So. yeah no i think um, in terms of people who i do commentate with i think this is a dead cheesy answer but they're all professional they're all really good i've learned something from all of them um and and in like in terms of you you know your john virgos and dennis taylor's obviously they've been doing it you know for a long long time since you know well into their playing career they were playing and the commentating and doing all the rest of it in the early 80s um, and you can see that when they when they commentate now they have They're bang on it, you know, they know how to do the ins and the outs and there's a bit of etiquette, really, when you're a a newbie like me, you kind of sort of, you know, lean back and let them finish the frames and start the frames, that's kind of a bit of etiquette. Um, I actually really enjoy commentating with John Parrott, you know, I think somebody who perhaps doesn't get the credit he deserves uh, away from the Triple Crown events because he's not seen at any other events. Um, Possibly, possibly one of the forgotten stars of the game, really, who's come to kind of fell into... I mean, again, obscurity is the wrong word, but because you only see him at those three events, uh, he's somebody who's not really spoken about. Of course, a former UK and World Championship winner, uh, and I think a double finalist in the Masters, something like that. So one of the games, you know, great, you know, by by anyone's measure, um, and very, very good, very professional, very, very good in the commentary box, as are they all, of course. They wouldn't have the job if they, if they weren't. Uh, they're all great to... Uh, Commentate with. I suppose what I would say is when any time you commentate with Ken, it's like having the night off because he never shuts up.
1: (laughs) Now I've I've been looking. I actually hosted an evening with um with John and Ken. Um, I did very little talking as a as an MC. I did very very little talking that night because you you literally they're like the Duracell bunnies, aren't they? Just wind him up. And just, just watch them go, and uh, yeah, they go just all day, they're brilliant.
2: watch send him off, and he's just off he goes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. So there you go. So uh, he likes them all in a minx, but John Parrott, I think, is his, is his favourite there. Sean?
2: Now, things are about to take a turn. Bayes Babble 147 on Twitter. If cleared of any wrongdoing, what happens with the suspended players regarding ranking points and missed opportunities, et cetera?
1: Very interesting question, this, because I don't know.
2: I don't know either, and um, I suppose what I would say in my experience, having been on the board, um, having been on the Players' Commission, been on the tour now for, for some time and watched these suspensions come and go and these charges and stuff come and go, I can't remember a time where the WPBSA have taken a move to charge and then suspend or well, the other way around, you know, yeah. suspend and then charge players formally that aren't banged to rights.
1: Well, I think they've, they've all been charged now anyway, haven't they? So um... They have.
2: And so I don't think it's ever happened where they've done that and then that player has had their ter- case turned over. Now, of course, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen this time. And these players may well uh, prove themselves innocent uh, and, and we, we could be left in this position. I'm not aware of it having happened before. And so a precedent, hasn't been set, to my knowledge.
1: Well, I shall endeavour to ask the question. I shall endeavour to find out for the next podcast uh, what happens. I'll contact someone who may know, and uh, we'll try and find that out. So, yeah, the answer is Baseball147. We don't know. Pure and simple. So, anyway, moving on. Don Smythe, or Smith on Twitter, I like this one. If Gerwin Price went on the snooker table and you went on the dartboard, Sean, what would happen first... An 11-dart finish for you or a century for Gezi?
2: Oh, I mean, it's one of the easiest questions we've ever had, isn't it? It's definitely 11 darts for me. Oh, there we are. A million percent. I mean, the, how hard can it be? Like, I mean, the target never moves.
1: Well, apparently Gerwin's a, a decent snooker player, you know.
2: He may well be, but I mean, you we, we know, let's set it up. Let's, let's do it. That would be um,
1: interesting, wouldn't it?
2: No headphones allowed. Um... <laughs> Darts and snooker. What'll happen first? Have as many goes as you like. Go in to make a um uh, a century break or meet and make an eleven darter
1: Well look, no, I think I, I... I think we need to speak to the king of YouTube, Stephen Hendry, don't we? Who uh, you appeared in his Q Tips recently, which by the way, very, very good. If anyone's not yet watching Stephen Hendry's Q Tips on YouTube, get watching it. Brilliant. Sean was on it. Sean was very, very good. Um I do like the one he's done with pinch. With Matt Selt, the uh, that Matt Selt obviously not a man that ever speaks his mind, and he didn't hold back on that either. So, if you're not watching that, watch it. But this could be one for Mister Hendry because he could he could uh, YouTube this, and it could make for quite a feature. So,
2: well, I will let's... just say I was speaking to Stephen earlier on, and uh, the video we did has been out on his YouTube channel for 24 hours now. And he was just telling me uh, that uh, it's done the best numbers of any of his videos on, on his YouTube channel uh, in 24 hours. Uh, and and at the time where he rang me earlier on, we were trending on YouTube. Um, we were the 26th uh, most popular video on YouTube today uh, in the UK. So, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's up there. It's popular. Um, uh, so thanks to everyone who's watched it. Uh, I know Stephen's really enjoying uh, doing his YouTube content. And um, long may it be successful. It was really good to be a part of. But yeah, I'm sure if anyone can arrange that, it'll be it'll be Stephen. Be good it'd be good something to see, something like that, you, would, know, you know, what? I, up, I think have as many be, goes as you want. Yeah. And and I'll have the same at the board and we'll see.
1: I think that'll be really, really interesting. So um, yeah, let's see if we can get that on. That would be that'd be good fun, I think.
2: Right, James Mahoney on Twitter. At the Masters you had a lead of over thirty points when a situation arose which could have led to a re-rack, should points be carried over if a re-rack occurs?
1: Yes. Why? Yes, I'm saying because it should. Because if you're 30 points ahead, where is the incentive for you to agree to a re-rack even if the balls are an absolute, complete and utter nightmare? If they're a complete and utter nightmare, and you, you know there's no progress, but you're 30 points ahead, you are going to argue the toss all the way down the line not to have a re-rack. And we as snooker fans are going to have to watch you roll in and roll out and roll in and roll out for forever until eventually the referee insists on one or it forces you to play something. But for me, it just just the points carry over. You've got to re-rack quicker, moves on, we'll get more action.
2: Here's one for you. I was listening uh, again uh, to the Snooker Scene podcast today and um, Dave was discussing uh, Alan's Angle, which was a feature on ITV4 they did during the World Grand Prix. And Alan was talking about um, uh, a re-rack situation that had been threatened during the Mark Allen uh, Jakubiszewski match at the World Grand Prix, where the referee stepped in after you know what felt like an age of tip-tapping around, just knocking the balls around, and um, said to the players, "Right, you've got three shots each to resolve the situation." And Allen went on to make the point that I've heard lots of people make, but that I just completely disagree with. That really, in a re-rack situation, you know, when the, when the when the frame descends into a stalemate. Everyone seems to think the onus is on the player with the lead to make the run-in. Yeah. I completely disagree, and I've never understood it. From my point of view as the player, if I'm in that situation, I've earned my 30-point lead or whatever it might be. You've got to come and chase me, surely. It's yeah. up to you to make the run. I've got my lead. Yeah, you would think
1: so, but, but surely if it keeps going like that, eventually the referee can insist on a re-rack and then you lose your 30-point lead. And that's my point with this. If if you're, the 30 points carry over to after the re-rack and the referee says, you know, re-rack, then you, you're more likely to say, yeah, go on then, I'm 30 points ahead. I'll take that into, into the re-rack. That's fine. Um, I can, I can see your point and I think you're right. And I think that actually backs up the argument for this. Yeah, I've
2: never understood that. I've never understood the argument that the player in front has to make the run in to break stalemate because uh, I just don't see the incentive. What's the incentive for the for the chasing player?
1: Yeah, no, no I, I, I'd I take your it. point completely. Yeah, absolutely, I agree completely. Anyway, so there there we go. So I think yes, this should. What do you think then? Yes or no?
2: I'll say yes. Yeah, I never go. thought about it, but I'll say yes.
1: There we are. So yes, we both agree this should carry over if there is a re-rack. right? We have some questions left. We are going to roll them on to the next podcast. We are just coming up to the hour mark, which is where we like to kind of tie it off. So uh, Dougie Jones, Snooker Hair, Karen Rainbow, Richard Hill, all you guys, there's quite a few questions left on there. We will ask them next time in a fortnight's time. So we move on to our pointless question. Before we do, if you have got a question, at 147pod, all over social media, just just tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us, whatever your questions to the podcast As you can hear, we ask quite a wide variety of questions and we like that. We don't like them all to be snooker, so ask about absolutely anything. Just hit us up on social media at 147pod and we will ask as many as we can. So before we go then, Sean, pointless question for this week. You can only use one of toothpaste or shampoo for the rest of your life. Which of those two do you choose to give up?
2: Well, I I mean, I could not give up toothpaste. So it would have to be shampoo.
1: Well, we're going to get the the greasy magician.
2: (laughs) I'd have to use other things. I'd have to use, like, there's some good car washing products or something. I could think get the (laughs) Autoglim grease remover or something. I could get that on it. Now, when we when we flick the situation around to you, Phil, I think this is something you need to consider strongly because let's be honest, you haven't got that many haircuts left.
1: Wow! Now, so you, shampoo's
2: not. Listen, shampoo's not a massive problem for you.
1: I've I've said before and I'll say it again. I used to have a forehead. Now it's about a six head going on over there, isn't it? It's, uh,
2: you need to think about this.
1: Yeah. Either my hair's getting less, or my forehead's getting bigger. I, either way, I am right up there with Ant McPartlin from Ant and Dec for foreheads right now. <laughs> um i I was actually thinking out of the two I'd give up toothpaste and just just go with chewing gum every day because I don't oh. think I could do with greasy hair. I don't think I could um, oh, it's
2: the worst, oh.
1: but no toothpaste a nightmare as well, especially if we're having curries, as we said before, so. Um, oh i don't know it's an absolute nightmare isn't it
2: i will say i think i, I think i've met a few uh, i think i've met a few people on the tour over the years who've already made this decision
1: who've made the choice i think there's a few people on the tour that don't use either to be quite
2: <laughs> i won't name any i won't name any players but i once shared a taxi with him and my eyebrows fell off
1: <laughs> goodness me good lord Right, that was, what would you do, shampoo or toothpaste? Which one would you give up if you had to give up one? Right, that was the 147 podcast. We will be back in a fortnight's time after the German Masters, but before the Welsh Open, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it is, before the Welsh Open. Um, So we'll be back in a fortnight's time.
2: Sean, what are you up to this week? Do you know, I've got, I've got a couple of weeks because I'm not in the German, so I've got a couple of weeks at home. This week I've sort of taken a few days off, bits and bobs around the house. Uh, and uh, next week I'll be back to the practice table getting ready for the Welsh Open. Yeah, so a um, bit early to cut the grass, isn't it? A bit early for the first cut of the year.
1: Definitely too early. Yeah, let's not, let's not, not talk about grass up. cutting. Goodness me, there'll be men listening to this podcast all over the country going, shut up, grass cutting, not yet. Good Lord, no. Absolutely not. Doing? I've got a busy few weeks actually. I um I'm I'm flying off to Northern Ireland tomorrow for a couple of days for meetings. And then well the rugby season, rugby preseason started. I've got a boxing show a week on Friday in Rotherham. And then I've got a bit that's of a, just a m- Friday night
2: in Rotherham, isn't it? Sorry? That's just a Friday night out in Rotherham. Yeah, isn't but with it? a referee and a ring and everything. <laughs> that's
1: all it's just a bit more organised. And I've got a busy February, very, very busy February. Um, Welsh Open, I've got some boxing over in Denmark as well. So, yeah, all over the place in February. It's going to be a busy, busy month, but we will be back in two weeks. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you have, you can listen to the whole of the back catalogue. I think this is episode 16, so if you've not listened to the rest, you've got a lot of catching up to do. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, but they're all available on Acast as well. We will see you in two weeks' time. Thank you ever so much for listening that was the 147 podcast with sean murphy and phil seymour if you enjoyed what you've just listened to make sure you subscribe leave us a review and interact with us across all forms of social media at 147 pod that's all words at 147 pod thanks for listening